Welcome back. This is Microfamous. We're talking about a really fun topic, what Bob Ross can teach us about podcasting and monetization and building a media empire. And this episode is brought to you by the magic of YouTube recommendations. Uh, I was watching some videos of, of fun facts, just kind of uh, random stuff that kind of comes up in my YouTube recommendations. And I came across a video about Bob Ross and went down a little bit of a Bob Ross rabbit hole, right? I grew up watching The Joy of Painting and kind of vaguely remember, but I didn't know much about the backstory. And apparently there's not a ton that is known that Bob himself is really private. And now his estate kind of keeps things pretty close to the vest. But we do know the basis of the story. And for our purposes, there's really three lessons that I pulled out of kind of the Bob Ross story that we can dig into. So first, I want to review the story and fill in some details that I didn't know and you probably don't know. So first of all, uh, Bob Ross had a background in the military and apparently took up painting as a way to distance himself from this kind of drill sergeant mentality or persona that he had to project in the military. So in a quest to further his painting skills, he ends up seeking out a mentor and he got good enough to start a small teaching business. So he's doing these live classes where he would show how to paint in his style, this wet on wet style that, that, is, that other people were doing, but he liked a lot. And he would talk people through the process of painting a painting from scratch. And then he met someone who helped him pitch that as a concept to a TV show. Um, and PBS said yes and launched The Joy of Painting. And that show was actually very closely modeled on a show that on PBS that was already successful from the 70s that was hosted by his mentor. So apparently there was some a little bit of a friction over that. Of course, most of us are too young to remember that that show uh, had a predecessor that was very similar which is an interesting kind of, that's a whole other conversation in itself, uh, that if you feel like you're not being original enough, sometimes, you know, sometimes that doesn't matter. Sometimes you can get away with not being the most original in the world uh, and you can build your own fan base, your own audience, because you are unique and maybe even surpass what else is out there. So, uh, but there was a proven format to base the show on. So he starts this quirkable, levy, you know, lovable show, it starts to get traction, finds an audience, as we all know, uh, but he didn't launch the show to make money directly off the show because behind the scenes, he was just looking for a way to promote his teaching business where he traveled and taught classes and lessons. And for anyone that's in business coaching, this is probably starting to sound really familiar. So the PBS show gives him an audience, which raised demand for his teaching business and built a brand that he could leverage in other ways. So he starts putting out books, he sells a few paintings, but at first the show mainly served as an infomercial for his teaching business. Then eventually he launches a line of branded art supplies and that drives millions in revenue. It actually still drives revenue for his estate. I've come across some estimates on the line that say he sold somewhere north of 15 million in merchandise and he died with an estate that was well over a million. Um, so to sum things up, the show, The Joy of Painting, was the media vehicle that built the audience and he monetized the audience through other things sold on the back end. So now let's dive into a few specific lessons that I want to pull out of this story that applies to those of us that are in the coaching, consulting, thought leadership world, and what we can learn and apply from what Bob Ross did in his approach to things. So lesson number one, build the audience first, monetize later. There are two major paths to monetize a skill set. You know, you can go premium or value, high cost, low cost. If you sell premium services, you don't need a huge audience, but if you wanna sell lower price products and programs, you better have the audience and a big one. If you can't build the audience, nothing else matters. Not the quality of the products, not the level of your expertise or the care or the love that went into creating them, your drive, your passion, impact the world. Actually, none of that matters, unfortunately. If you don't have a big audience, it's basically like taking a Walmart and putting it in the middle of an empty field. 
So you can build an audience in a bunch of different ways, including podcasting, which is obviously my favorite. And it's, you know, podcasting is where people like Tim Ferriss leverage their pod- podcast audience to sell books. You could also aim to get a show on TV and build your audience that way. You know, we have cr- clients like Chris Noggle who have shot pilots for HDTV and others who have had, you know, radio shows or they get featured on cable news several times a week. Uh, radio and TV both require a ton of patience and flexibility, sometimes even the willingness to put your life on hold. But plenty of people do it and it can work out really well. Um, regardless, if you want to sell lower priced products and programs, the thing to get obsessed with is building a large audience first, then coming along later with products and programs to monetize the audience that's already built. Audience first, monetize later. That's the first lesson. Lesson number two is monetize indirectly. Don't try to monetize by charging for content. So if you follow the world of, you know, new journalists, bloggers, content creators, there's a huge amount of hand-wringing and worry over their business model because nobody, and I do mean nobody, has figured out how to charge for online content in a sustainable, profitable way. Now, if most people hear that, they would respond, yeah, but what about Netflix and what about Disney Plus and what about the New York Times online edition or whatever? And all of these have massive flaws that their own CEOs are struggling with. You know, Netflix is in debt to the tune of $10 billion or something like that. Disney Plus is basically just plowing profits from other areas of the Disney business. They have no profit in sight. New York Times is panicked because its online editions are less profitable and they pull subscribers from the print edition. So nobody really has it figured out. That's why I don't recommend charging directly for content. Even in the B2B world where your content can be life-changing and profit-boosting and all these things, right? It feels like you should be able to charge for it, but the bottom line is online content just doesn't feel as valuable to people. And so they're reluctant to pay for it. That's why memberships like monthly memberships that are just focused on quote-unquote more content and offering quote-unquote more value, it's why they struggle to take off. We're past the point where more is valuable. There's already too much out there for free. So to me, the best way to monetize content is to monetize indirectly. That's the second lesson that I pull from kind of the Bob Ross story. Monetize indirectly. He didn't turn around and at some point go, hey, I'm taking the joy of painting private. And the only way to get it is you have to be uh, on cable and I'm getting a piece of the action. Uh, Or, hey, if you want uh, more joy of painting, here's my uh, deluxe uh, video cassette uh, set of just more of the same things that you already get for free on PBS. He monetized in indirect ways. He didn't attempt to charge for the content, the exact same thing he was given for free. So lesson number three is to monetize through products that have value of their own. Now in the podcast world, this might mean using your ads to promote your own programs and services rather than give that valuable call to action to someone who's paying you a sponsorship fee. So it's tempting, really, really tempting to want to monetize a podcast directly by taking on advertisers and sponsors. But if you have a high ticket offer, I think you're better off sending people to the offer than sending them to a sponsor's offer. So use your content to promote your own programs and services, which all have value on their own. They stand alone. They aren't just more of the same kind of content you give away for free. That's a big mistake I see in the coaching consulting world. They give away all this really high quality content on their podcast because it's competitive and that's what it takes to build a successful podcast. And then they want to charge extra for more of the same thing through like a monthly membership. But from the audience perspective, think about it from their perspective. If you're not giving me the best stuff in your podcast, why am I listening? Right? I showed up because I think I'm getting your best stuff and it's better than what I can get on other podcasts. If I think you're holding back, why am I listening to your podcast? 
And odds are, if they're listening, it's because you had to give away your best stuff to get to like cut through the noise and even build the audience on your podcast. So odds are, you're probably already giving away your best stuff on your podcast, at least in an unstructured way. And so to come along and say, hey, I haven't been giving you my best stuff the whole time. The best stuff is behind the paywall. It just, it rubs people the wrong way. It kind of loses that sense of reciprocity that you get from giving your best stuff away for free on your podcast. And it's just, it's, it's hard to get people to believe that promise. It's hard for people to believe that, hey, I've been listening to your podcast and this whole time you've got more up your sleeve that hasn't been available that I haven't heard on your podcast and you've been saving it for this program that you're about to charge for. It just, it, it, it's a hard promise to believe. So I would recommend treating your podcast the same way Bob Ross treated the PBS show, which is a way to build your audience, your reputation, your brand, your level of influence, all that stuff. And then you can cash in some of that influence you've built by selling something that is a great offer on its own, something that solves a legitimate problem from your, for your audience in a way that your free content can't. If you wanted to paint like Bob Ross, yeah, you could pay for more content, more episodes of The Joy of Painting or, and, and practice along with him. Or you could just go buy official Bob Ross art supplies, which are, which are people more likely to do. Well, that's a no-brainer. You can go buy art supplies and you don't have to practice, right? Uh, it's an instant upgrade, at least in the, in, the, in the minds of the consumers. So that's an easy sell. It's like, hey, if you like the content, go buy this physical product that will instantly make you a better painter. That's a very easy, natural promise to make. And it's a very believable promise to make. So people are much more likely to go do that. In the coaching consulting world, you want to monetize your content through products and programs that are irresistible and valuable all on their own, completely apart from the content. Then you just use your content to promote the products and programs rather than trying to charge for your content. So that's the third lesson. Monetize through products and programs that have value of their own, intrinsic, irresistible value even if they stand alone apart from your content. That's lesson number three. Now, here's a quick bonus lesson. Find the right media vehicle for you and your message. For most introverted coaches and consultants, the ideal media vehicle is a podcast for a whole bunch of reasons. You know, you can record at your convenience, you can record in your comfort zone of your home or office. You can have these deep, incredible, authentic conversations with smart, fascinating people. You can raise your profile and level of influence just by association with the people that you feature on your podcast. You can build a network of strategic referral partners by featuring them as guests and much, much, much more. Even if you could imagine a better media vehicle like a TV show, it doesn't fit an introvert's personality and life as well as a podcast. For most coaches and consultants in my world who want a six or seven figure business that's simple, profitable, and impactful, a podcast can be that media vehicle. So. Hopefully those lessons are valuable and helpful in making good decisions, building a marketing system around you that suits your personality and gets you to your goals without changing who you are. For Microfamous, which is my version of the joy of painting, that's the change that I want to make in the world. So introverted coaches and consultants, each building your own empire without changing who you are. That's the change I hope to make through my media vehicle, which is the show that you're listening to right now. Now, if you want to host a show like this, obviously just get in touch with us, go to getmicrofamous.com. There's a link there to, uh, to a brainstorm call link where you can schedule a, a chat with us about your podcast, see if you've got a great idea that'll match with your audience. If it's an idea that has legs, you can also just watch a video there where I kind of lay out the service and exactly why uh, you might want to look in that direction on, on launching your own show and work with our agency to do that and all that fun stuff. So all that's at getmicrofamous.com as well as previous episodes of the podcast, previous articles, sketches, all that fun stuff that goes deeper into the Microfamous system. So if you're on the introvert side, or even if you're just a digital introvert where 
you love people in real life, but you're not a fan of sharing your entire private life on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, this system will work for you. It's designed for someone like you. So check that out. It's all at getmicrofamous.com. With that being said, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you got a kick out of this episode. I loved kind of learning the background of Bob Ross and, uh, and something that you grew up with as a kid that you don't realize all the other things that went on behind the scenes and all of the ways that they were able to monetize that and turn this into an empire of art supplies and teaching and paintings and all this fun stuff. I had a blast learning about this. Hopefully you did too. And we'll see you on the next episode of Microfamous.